I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. Come on. How many people feel like the Lord is present this morning? Come on, and how many people know that in his presence, anything can happen? So, Father, we thank you for surprising us this morning. I feel just a healing grace um, in the room. So, Father, I thank you for surprising us in your goodness. I thank you for people not leaving with what they came in with. We thank you that, that pain and sickness and disease gets left behind in your presence, God. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Man, God is in the business of surprising us. Surprising us in just how good he is. This has is, this is got nothing to do with my message this morning, but I'm just feeling this. You've heard me say it many times, but Ephesians 3.20 now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask, think, or imagine, according to his power that works in us. If God's gonna do more than we could ask, more than we've thought about, and more than we've imagined, then by its very nature, it has to be a surprise. I, but I say that because I feel the surprises of God in here this morning. So, Father, I thank you for even terminal conditions, chronic conditions, Father, disappearing in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for people getting to, to lunch after service and realizing that all my pain is gone. My symptoms are gone. Thank you, Father, that people go to sleep tonight and wake up in the morning and all of the, all of the symptoms, all of the issues have disappeared because you surprise us in your goodness. Uh, it, it, obviously, it is our Heart for the House month, and we're just sowing into what God is doing in, in, in this house, but the kingdom of God through this house. And how many people know that this isn't the only house that God loves and he's moving powerfully in? We're not trying to gather people, Eric Johnson says, we're not trying to gather people under one roof, but un under one Father. And we, uh, even in the time of raising funds, we're, we're building this building. In the this season of that, we intentionally, in the time that we need all the money we can get to do this building project, we intentionally sowed into other churches' building projects. We gave $12,000 into other churches' building projects. Why? Because we love the house of God. Thank you, Jesus. But we do believe that God is doing powerful things through this house. This is one of his expressions. And we want to sow into what God is doing because we want to see great transformation happen. Amen? That, listen, we're not, we're not about just uh, shiny things and big buildings for their own sake. No, we want to see genuine kingdom transformation. That we believe that Texas is an apostolic state. 
that what happens in Texas gets the attention. It impacts and influences the rest of the nation. And Austin happens to be the capital of Texas. Come on, so what happens in Austin? UT says it this way, what starts here changes the world. Right? That is an apostolic statement. And we want to see we want to see real kingdom transformation, that the power of God, the love of God, the grace of God flows, that it impacts individuals and families, but also impacts businesses. It impacts the realm of education. I'm more excited than you are apparently, but listen, it, in, it impacts government, that, that, that heaven invades earth and Jesus gets his full reward. That's what we are sowing into. So we ask you to be praying into the, uh, our Heart for the House offering that's happening next week. That How many people know that in God, that God is good at multiplying what we have to give? That you can put $300 check in the offering and what gets pulled out is a $30,000 check. Right? Listen, prayer changes things. Come on, thank you, Jesus. So, yes, pray about what to give, but pray that God breathes on it and multiplies it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, uh, on that note, it's heart for the house. We're, we're doing something unique this month. We're, we're giving the same message Saturday night and Sunday morning only for this month. Uh, normally, it's a different message uh, at both services, so just this month we're doing the same. Uh, but my message uh, today, I'm actually talking on tithes and offerings. And uh, as I was preparing this message, um, there's a there's a, a a great book that was really popular in the early 2000s by Mahesh Chavda called um, "The Hidden Power of Prayer and Fasting." And as I was preparing this message, that, that came to mind. So my message this morning is titled, The Hidden Power of Tithes and Offerings. <laughs> but <clears throat> it's really not hidden because it's clear in the word. <laughs> We're just called to dive into the word to dig out the truths of the word. Amen? And if you can put up the, the slide there. So... The message is hidden power of tithes and offerings. And I want to approach it uh, from three specific ways. I want to talk about the ways of God first. And then I want to talk about the law of God. And then I want to talk about the blessings of God. How many people know we need the ways of God? And we need the ways of God in this hour and in this generation. And we need them desperately. That's an opportunity to be more excited than what you currently are. Listen, we need the ways of God permeating our lives, our family, our culture. Can I get an amen? Listen, we need it bad. We need it desperately. We need the sovereignty of God right now in this hour. Listen, I just yesterday read an article. There's a, a, a New York politician who, who is running for Congress and his platform is sexual promiscuity. That's his running platform. And he, listen, this is so sick, but he released his own pornographic film. 
with him in it to say, hey, I am so serious about this. I want you to know how serious I am. And he wants to legalize and normalize everything. That is sick, demented, demonic. That is not the ways of God. Come on, we need a breakthrough. We need an outpouring. We need the righteousness and the justice. Yes, we need the kindness, but we need the ways of God breaking out in our nation again. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. There's a, there's, there's, there's a man, very <clears throat> twisted individual who, who wrote a book that he's basically the father of the, the modern what, satanic church. And he wrote a book and calls it the, the satanic Bible. Talk about sick and twisted. But the, the, the summary of that, of that book, the subtitle, if you will, of what, they call the satanic Bible is, the subtitle is, do what thou will. Or in layman's terms, do whatever you want. That is, that is Satan's agenda. That is demonic agenda in neon lights. Basically trying to infiltrate into society this thing that says, you, you are supposed to do whatever you want. Which means, basically, you are your own God. <clears throat> but how many people know that leads to death and corruption and destruction? <laughs> but the sovereignty of Jesus, in the ways of God, there is life and life evermore. Come on, we need Jesus. <laughs> And we need the ways of God. And I, I shared this uh, a couple months ago, but in Malachi it says that the, the Son of Man will arise with healing in his wings. Speaking of Jesus, obviously, but it's not just talking about Jesus. It's not Jesus as a prophetic symbol, as an eagle, and healing under his eagle's wings. No, that's not what it's saying. In Jewish tradition, men wear prayer shawls called tallits. And the tallits, the, the borders are, they're embroidered and on the four corners they have uh, these taluses and the borders and the taluses are referred to as the wings of the tallit. And the embroidering and the taluses have specific meaning. God instructs them to put them there as reminders of his ways. And so when Jesus, says, when, when the Bible says that he will arise with healing in his wings, it's not talking about eagle, eagle's wings. He's talking about there's healing within the borders of his ways. Come on. <laughs> there is life and health and fullness and joy and peace and prosperity in his ways. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> We need the ways of God. And listen, we're going to talk about, we're talking about the hidden power of tithes and offerings. But before we go any farther, how many people know that God doesn't need our money? <laughs> God doesn't need our money. That God caused manna and quail to appear from heaven. 
that God caused water to flow from the rock, that Jesus multiplied bread and fish. He doesn't need our money. What he's looking for is our trust. Come on, the first thing we really need to understand in the heart of God is that tithing is not first an economic transaction, it's a trust transaction. And that changes everything in our approach. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with your whole heart. With, your, with, ten, with 10% of your heart? No, with your whole heart. And lean not on your own understanding. I've shared this before. Listen, understanding itself isn't the problem. It's the need to understand before we trust that is the problem. And our need to understand is rooted in control. We want to control the outcome. Our need to understand is rooted in control, and control is rooted in fear. <laughs> so we're, we're, when we start talking about tithes and offerings, it's a trust transaction. But if you're getting triggered, that's probably because God is dealing with the root of control and fear. But aren't you glad that perfect love casts out all fear? That when we find ourselves in trust, that is where the miraculous of God happens. God is trying to align us to be blessed, to be prosperous. I don't mean a vending machine. God is not a vending machine. I heard a statement that was something, uh, it was a long time ago and I can't do it exact justice, but it was something along the, the, the tithe, the, re, the return on the tithe is not a blessing. Not a blessing, but a blessed life. I mean, you don't put in your, your, your tithe and hit a button like, God, I need a new car this month, like boom, there it is, no. But it does, it does align us with the ways of God. It, it pulls us into his, his trust economy. And that's where blessing happens. Thank you, Jesus. The ways of God. Uh, we all know, but Isaiah 55.9 says, For the heavens... Are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The ways of God are more powerful than the gifts of God. The gifts are temporal, the ways are eternal. We should not seek the gifts of God over the ways of God. The ways of God can be looked at like this the ways of God are his structure his nature, and even his culture, so to speak, yeah. right? His way, what is, what is normal in his nature, his culture, and the thing about culture, when you're in a culture, what's in that culture gets on you. Yeah. When, when we talk about a prophetic culture law, we talk about building kingdom cultures. We, when you're in a culture, whatever is permeating that culture, if you're in a prophetic culture, that thing starts to get on you. Even sometimes before you realize it. 
that, that you're in this prophetic culture and next thing you know, you're in line at the supermarket and the person behind you, God starts speaking to you, starts dropping secrets into your heart about their heart and you're like, what has happened to me? When did this gift show up? Why? Because you, it, you've been in the culture. And when you're in the ways of God, you naturally benefit from the nature of God. So, tithe, what is it? We're gonna dive into the Bible. I hope that's not a problem. <laughs> but we are gonna, we're gonna cover a lot, of, a lot of scripture today. But how many people know that's a good thing? Can I get an amen on that? So, what is, what is the tithe? And the tithe is literally means uh, 10%. Tithe, the Bible means 10th. That's what the word means. Or 10%. And the, the tithe is talked about all through the scripture. Uh, the first mention of tithe is Genesis 14, and it's the story of, of Abraham, and he has just gone and rescued his nephew Lot and, and uh, gathered all the spoils in the rescue. And on his return, he encounters this figure called Melchizedek. And he ties to this figure, Melchizedek, and Paul later fashions, refers to Melchizedek as a type and shadow of Christ. Because Melchizedek is a high priest without lineage. They don't know where he came from. <laughs> he just appeared and Abraham, out of, out of deference and honor, ties a tenth of all that he has to him. That's the first mention of tithe. But we're gonna go in and we're gonna jump, at, jump into some more scriptures. So in Genesis 28, you can put that up. This is, this is Jacob and Jacob's on a journey and Jacob stops in a, in a land called uh, Luz and that means almond tree or almond branch which is, which is unique in, in, in the prophetic symbolism there. But we'll go on. Uh, in, Jake, in Genesis 28, it says this, verse 20 through 22. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, sorry, pause. <clears throat> I didn't set enough of the stage. On a journey, he gets to Luz. He goes to sleep. He puts his head down on a rock. You guys have probably heard this. And in his dream, he sees a ladder ascending to, uh, up to heaven and angels are ascending and descending on the ladder. And, um, and you know, the angel of God is at the top of the, the ladder. And Jacob has this vision and this encounter with the living God. So this is the context here. And then jump in, verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. And then uniquely, he called that place Bethel, which is awesome for us. <coughs> means house, house of God. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> but something beautiful is happening here. Jacob is on a journey, obviously, but it's symbolic of his journey to find the sovereignty of God for his own life. 
Because this is Jacob in an unredeemed state. This is pre-Jacob wrestling with God. He has this encounter, but he's searching for the sovereignty of God. And some people argue that Jacob bargained with God. He said, if you will do this, then I will tithe to you. But Jacob's searching for sovereignty with God, which he finds. Now here's the deal. That has already been settled in our life. How many people have already made Jesus the king of your life? That he's all, you know, already know he's good. You've already said yes to him. You've already said all that I have is yours. That you have surrendered to Jesus, right? So that has already been settled for us. But when he finds that sovereignty, he says, from this point forward, I give you a tenth of all that I have. Leviticus 27 Just for length of time, we're going to do verse 30 and verse 32. Leviticus 27, 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock or whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one, sorry, that's verse 32. uh, The tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. Now, that translation, New King James says the tenth one, really what it says in the, in the Hebrew is just tenth, tithe. But how many people know that God gets the first? That we're gonna go and we're gonna read that, so actually that's a bad translation. It's not nine go through and then you set one aside for God. It's you set one aside for God and then nine go through. And then you set one more aside for God and Nine more go through. A couple more verses. You doing okay? Uh, Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 35 through 37. So you're gonna hear this, the phrase first a lot here. And we made ordinance to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all the fruit of all the trees year by year to the house of the Lord to bring the firstborn of our sons and our cattle as it is written in the law and the firstborn of our herds and our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God, to bring the first fruits of our dough, our offerings, the fruit from all kinds of trees, the new wine and oil to the priests, to the storerooms of the house of our God and to bring the tithes of our land to the Levites, for the Levites should receive the tithes in all our farming communities. Now, there's some terms here that I want us just to, to grab a hold of. It says year by year. It's an ongoing, listen, again, it's not about money. It's, it's about trust. It's a relational transaction, but it's ongoing. How many people know that you need to stay in, your word, in the word constantly? It's not like, oh yeah, I, I read the word three years ago, I'm good. No, because it needs to stay fresh in you. Yeah. It's alive and active. So this trust, this trust economy, currency that God is setting up, it needs to stay fresh. I need to trust the Lord today, yeah. not just yesterday. Year by year, first, as in first fruits and firstborn, the first belongs to the Lord. Listen, the, the, the tithe, <clears throat> how many people know that God owns it all? The hills, the valleys, the oceans, <laughs> you and I, that God, the God owns it all. He breathed and created it all. 
that we are his workmanship and that, that God owns it all and really what's happening is the tithe isn't ours at all. Here's a misconception. It's like, oh, I have this 100%. Should I give 10% of it to God? That's a misconception. 100% of it is God's. He allows us to steward 90% of it. And he asks us to hold 10% back for him just to remember that it's all his. To stay in the trust currency. Listen, the tithe isn't ours to give. The tithe is his. We just get to stay current with his ways. Now we're gonna talk about offering Later, that that is different. That is ours to steward and to give, but the tithe belongs to the Lord. Last verse for for a moment. Oh, sorry. Uh, First, also key to recognize there, the storehouse or the storerooms of the house of God. And we're gonna come back to that as well. So Malachi chapter three, verses six through 12. Because I, the Lord, do not change. Thank you, Jesus. You descendants of Jacob. Now listen, what's unique here? Descendants of Jacob. We started with Abraham. Then we went to Jacob, who is the son, descendant of Abraham, right? Where do you, this is just a thought. Where do you think that Jacob got the principle of the tithe from? And this says that, that, that you descendants of Jacob. So I'll start over. Because I, the Lord, do not change, you descendants of Jacob have not been destroyed, yet from the days of your fathers you have turned away from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you ask, how can we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you blessing without measure. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your land and the vine in your field will, field will not fail to produce fruit, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Listen, <clears throat> Backing up a step, we were just in Nehemiah and bringing the fruits. The story of Nehemiah is obviously he returned to restore, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. But the next thing that Nehemiah does after rebuilding the walls is to restore the ways of God. He has the priests, he draws the priests back together and has them read the word of God to the people and the people repent. They, they weep and they cry and they're cut to the heart and that's why they restore all the ordinance of bringing the back the first, the first fruits, the firstborn. What God is trying to do is bring people back into his ways. Because in his ways is where blessing flows. To the point that people will look 
and nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Shouldn't the house of God look like that? <laughs> when we come into the ways of God, we come into the blessing of God. But what happens when, when not just you know, 2% of the people or 10% of the people, we all come into agreement and to surrender into the ways of God. The blessing of God begins to permeate and resonate that now the nations of the world start to take notice. That was a good word. <laughs> We're supposed to be a light on a hill. Not hiding under a bushel. Come on, is it time to arise and shine? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh. Listen, God doesn't need our money. But in this, in this trust economy, why does God want the tithe brought to the storehouse of God? Listen, God is restoring trust. Trust in him, trust in each other, and trust in his house. Bring the tithe to the storehouse of God because blessing is meant to flow from there. Now again, to revisit, God doesn't need our money. And listen, God doesn't need our money to fill his storehouses. God's fed the prophet by the ravens. And again, the, the quail and the manna and the water from the rock, and he doesn't need our money, but what he is doing is he's creating an ecosystem of trust. He wants the house of God to be a blessing to the people. Now, he could just supernaturally fill up all the coffers, but he's creating an ecosystem not just of trusting God, but of us trusting each other. This is a good word. Have you ever noticed that God will give the blessing you need to someone else? Why? Because he wants to see what happens in your heart. Can you celebrate their breakthrough? And when you do, it brings you into trust and opens you up for your breakthrough. How many people know that sometimes that your need comes through the obedience of someone else? You're going on a, this easy example, you're going on a mission trip, you don't have all the funds and you're like, oh God, I need this, this much money and God speaks to someone else and they show up, they said, hey, God spoke to me and said that you maybe need help with your trip and, and, and they write a check and it's the exact amount that you need. <laughs> and why does that happen? Because it takes humility on the side of the receiver, it takes trust, number one, God, I know you wanna provide. But then it also takes humility when your brother comes to you with a check for you to humble yourself and receive that blessing. Yes. What is that? It's trust economy. But the other side of the coin is that God will often give you the blessing that someone else needs. So you can be both sides of that equation, right? You get a you get a, a, a an unexpected check in the mail and you're like, woo, this is amazing, God blessed me, this is awesome. And then he goes, yep, Johnny's going on a missions trip. <laughs> and he doesn't have all of his money. I want you to go and sign that check over to him. And you're like, my God. 
What happens there? You have to move in trust and humility. Are you seeing an ecosystem of life? God, God doesn't need our money. He does, he does want our trust and our obedience because in that he can pour out the fullness of life. Thank you, Jesus. So now I want to talk about the laws of God because there's a lot of misunderstanding here and people say, well, well, Jesus has done away with the law and he's nailed it to the cross and so we're free of the law so we don't need to follow the law so therefore the, the law of tithing has been done away with and, and it's an opinion. <laughs> but Jesus has an opinion. How many people know if we're, if we're weighing opinions, we should take Jesus' opinion? <laughs> what does Jesus say? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Listen, he doesn't beat around the bush on this. Matthew 5, do we have that to put up there? Matthew 5, 17 and 18. Do not think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot, or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Jesus did not destroy the law, but he did change our relationship to the law. I want to, one of the best examples, images, pictures of this, right, is the woman in uh, John 8 caught in the act of adultery. They, 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 catch the woman in the act of adultery and they bring her, they drag her to the feet of Jesus and they say, Jesus, what should be done with her? Because they're trying to trap him because they know the law says to stone her. And they, they say, what, what should be done? And most of you know the story. Jesus kneels down starts to write in the sand and he says to them, okay, he who's without sin, you throw the first stone. And it says that they all start to peel away from the oldest to the youngest. Why? Because the oldest has the biggest stack of sin. <laughs> and they're like, whoop, that's not me. I guess I'm out of here. And they, one by one, they peel off till no one's left. And Jesus kneels down and says, where are those who condemn you? There's none left. And Jesus says, neither do I therefore condemn you. And then he says something powerful. He says, Go and sin no more. So we're talking about the ways of God. The ways of God are the standards of God. Can I get an amen on that? Listen, in that example, Jesus came to set us free from the law of sin and death. He didn't come to, to change the standard of God or the ways of God. And so Jesus models for us, yes, a new covenant, and in the new covenant, listen, he said, go and sin no more. So did Jesus make provision? Did he make adultery okay in the new covenant? No. What was removed? Condemnation and punishment. But the standards stayed the same. Whoo, come on, that's good teaching right there. And in fact, Jesus doesn't just 
doesn't just keep the standard, Jesus actually elevates the standard. And really what's happening is Jesus elevates our understanding to what the standard of God was always meant to be. That the law is dim in its understanding and under the law people didn't fully get the heart of God. So Jesus breaks it down for us. I just, I just read Matthew 5, in Matthew chapter 5, 17 and 18, Jesus comes to fulfill the law, not to destroy it. That's verse 17, 18. Same chapter, verse 21, Jesus compares murder. He says, you have heard it said in the days of old, not to murder. But he says, I say to you, if you're angry with a brother without reason, you're in danger of judgment. How many people know that's an elevated standard? Verse 27, adultery. You've said it, you've heard it said in the days of old not to commit adultery. He says, I say to you, if you look at a woman with lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Ouch. That's what an elevated standard. Come on, Jesus. Divorce. You've heard it said in the days of old that you that a man can divorce his wife with by giving her a certificate, meaning for any reason that he's done, he's just like, here's a certificate, go your way. But Jesus says, except for sexual immorality, if you divorce a woman, you're causing her to commit adultery. If you married a divorced woman, you're, you are committing adultery. What is that? An elevated standard. So people say, we're not under the law. Listen, I, I, I'm gonna read this verse. I don't have time, but I'm going to do it anyway. Thank you, Jesus. God, multiply the time. In Colossians 2.14, this is one of, the, one of the, the verses that people grab a hold of, but with misunderstanding. Colossians 2.14, Paul says this, and you being dead, uh, uh, 13 and 14, you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out... The, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that is against us, which is contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Thank you, Jesus. But people grab a hold of that and they go, well, he, Jesus nailed the law to the cross. We're not under the law anymore. But in the new, in the new covenant, are we supposed to murder? It's not a trick question. <laughs> And like, like, are we supposed to murder people? Are we supposed to commit adultery? Are we supposed to have idols? Are we supposed to steal? No, the standard and the ways of God did not change. Let me read the same verse out of the NIV because it, it makes it much more clear. And this is just verse 14 having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away and nailed it to the cross. Listen, he didn't remove the standards. He removes the system of judgment and punishment connected to the standard. Listen, for law to be executed, there is judgment and consequence required. 
for grace to be executed, there is conviction and repentance. Man, I love Jesus. He's so good. He's so beautiful. The blessings of God. Can I have someone come up on the the keys or the or the guitar or the ukulele? The harmonica. <laughs> the the blessing of God. So what is the difference from a tithe? Oh, I love you, Dylan. Really good teacher. <laughs> Thank you. Now I only got two minutes left. <laughs> so what is the difference from tithes and offerings? We, we covered that tithe is not ours to give. It is God's in the first place. We just are maintaining this trust transaction and recognizing that it's all his. That makes sense. The offering, the offering though, so God, it's all his, but God allows us to steward 90% of it. And to be good stewards so that he can bless it and multiply it and increase it so that our 90% becomes exceedingly abundantly more than our 100% ever could be without him. But out of that 90% that we get to steward, that when we give out of that, that's an offering. So an offering is specifically something that is above and beyond your tithe. That 10% belongs in the storehouse of God. Now people who say, well, you know, I, I, I tithe, I give generous, but I give here, there, I just, you know, wherever, wherever the Lord is leading, I would say there's a problem there that there's a breakdown of relational trust because your family is supposed to get your best. Your family is supposed to get your best. God says, bring it to the storehouse of God. There's amazing ministries, right? And this principle I'm sharing, this is not for Bethel Austin, this is for the kingdom. If you're visiting, this principle belongs, like, this principle is for you and your home church. Listen, if you get mad at this and you go to another church, then take this principle with you. <laughs> I'll pray for that pastor. No, just kidding. <laughs> your, your family is supposed to have your best. And there's a, lots of amazing ministries out there, but if you're taking from the 10%, you can't tithe there, that's an offering. But now you've muddled your tithe and your offering and you are losing the blessing on both. That didn't go over well. But there is something powerful in the offering. So the tithe belongs to God. God, this is already yours. Now, here's what I have to steward. When we choose to give out of that, it's called a free will offering. That is ours to choose how we steward. And when we give out of a free will offering above and beyond, God can bless that. Listen, God blesses the tithe, the ways of God. That's foundational blessing. The offering is a whole nother layer of blessing on top of that. 
Malachi says, you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. Listen, obeying the principles of God has blessing. Amen? But how many people know that also on top of that, hearing and obeying God has blessing? That God makes it clear that we're to take care of the orphans and the widows. Principle. And when we do that, when we adhere to his word, we take care of the orphans and the widow, blessing, amen? But then there is the hearing and obeying. When you're praying, God, make me a blessing to the city, use me, and God says, I want you to go to the service station down on the corner. You go, why God? He says, just, just follow me. And you go down to the service station, you don't even need gas. You just stand there and, and God highlights a lady to you and he starts to give you word and knowledge for her, prophetic encouragement. You go over and start to minister her. She starts weeping. The love of God crashes in. You find out that she's a single mom, right? A widow. And God moves in her heart and she, the love of God touches her. She gets born again. Now her family and her children are transformed and she comes into the ways of God. How many people know that that transaction is a whole nother level of blessing? That God wants to breathe on our obedience to the principle. God also wants to breathe on our listening and obeying. The tithe isn't ours. We give it to God because it's his. The offering, though, that we have the power by God, we have the power of the choice to give, and when we do, he matches it with his blessing. I don't mean a vending machine. I mean that, that hearing and obeying brings us into a level of intimacy with the Father. In James, it says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. When you say, God, above the tithe, where... Where do you want me to give? Where and how much? And that's how you bless all these ministries all over the land, plus a good local church is blessing all these other ministries as well. But I, I want to end with this. With the, with the offering that is, that is your free will offering to give, but when you choose out of that free will to give, God will bless it. The, the offering, free will offering, should always be processed like this. Asking God listening for his answer, comparing the answer if you're married. Listen, trust economy. God, where do you want us to give and how much? And you hear, you hear a number and then you turn to your spouse and you're like, I feel like God wants me to give that. And, and you compare and Holy Spirit has light. Listen, people who do this, 99% of the time it's the same number. But what happens, our trust in each other, our trust in God, our trust in our hearing Holy Spirit grows in that moment. Listen, if, if the principle of the tithe is foundational blessing, the offering is the mushroom cloud. I thought it was a good point. Come on, let's pray. Can we stand to our feet this morning? And can I have the, uh, <clears throat> listen, I've been, I've been saying this the last two weeks. Listen, we don't preach hype in this house, but we do try to listen and obey. And I have felt 
So the last two weeks specifically that God was going to bless people in this house radically in this month that they would be blessed to be a blessing. That God was gonna do something significant in individuals so they're like, whoa, I just got downloaded so that I can now sow more than I ever thought possible into heart for the house. Now your offering is yours to do how you feel led, but, I, but that's prophetically what I felt from the Lord. And two Saturday nights ago, I declared that, service Saturday night ends about 8.30. At 8.30, I get up here and I declare that from the Lord and I get down to my seat and at 8.33, I get a text message from a gentleman in our church and his business just got a, a multiple six-figure increase weekly. Whoa! That's worth more than a golf club, but yeah. <laughs> your praise is, is also your free will offering. <laughs> and then just this, just this week, talk to another gentleman whose business has just come into a seven-figure increase. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, put your hands out in front of you. <laughs> Ooh. And just say, Jesus, I love you. I want to be fully immersed in your trust ecosystem. Anywhere that my trust needs to grow, I give it to you now. <laughs> and I receive your perfect love in exchange. Speak to me now. The truth of your tithe, the truth of your offering. Let me be blessed to be a blessing so that kingdom transformation can come. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Come on. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.